Welcome to another episode to the podcast today. I'm very excited to have Vadim Fedosov here today, who is the founder of Bionic. He's got an incredible story, an incredible business, and we've already had some very inspirational conversations, and we haven't even begun yet, so we had to turn the cameras on quickly. So thank you very much for your time for today, Vadim. I know you're jetting off this afternoon, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Very so, excited. We initially spoke, we had a conversation a bit before this about your background. You're originally from Germany uh, and you went to play basketball in the NBA. How did that begin? Because obviously going from Europe, I wouldn't have thought basketball is a big sport in Germany, a yep. big football country. Exactly. How did that journey begin? So the funniest thing is um, I got to Germany when I was six years old. And then, as you said, I played football. I played every, every sport imaginable except for basketball. But then, you know, 1992, the Olympic, the dream team in Barcelona, where every, it seems like most kids my generation just picked up the sport, just fell in love with, you know, Michael, Magic, and all that energy around it. So I started playing more and more basketball. And I got to a point where I went to my dad, who was a professional tennis player. Um, and I told him, that this is my sport, and I want to really pursue it. And I want to go to one of those sporting, sport boarding schools in Germany to go into the sport. So I got into the sport like at 16, and you're completely right. Basketball in Germany is like a top 10 sport, maybe top six, but like handball is more popular than basketball in Germany. Um, so I get into the sport, and I'm getting better, better, and better at it uh, to the point where I get recruited to play for the German youth national team. So I play the under 18, the under 20, and when we start playing into U.S. Uh, teams, the funny part is when you play against U.S. national teams, there's a lot of scouts there from the U.S. scouting how the U.S. players will play, not actually looking at other countries. And I played a total of seven games against the U.S. And one of those games was a funny story where they were trying to bully one of my point guards who are much smaller in size. And they were just, you know, pushing him around and shoving through the floor. And at some point, I just figured, you know, enough and enough. And on the next, literally the next play, I'm not very proud of that. But when I had the chance, I made sure to, you know, push them back and elbow them in a way where, guys, we're not getting bullied here. This is a sport, it's a team sport. And that kind of sent off the scouts in a way where like, hey, this, there's a guy here in Europe who's not backing off from the most talented players in the world. Let's consider them a little bit more. Let's look a little bit more. And they kind of liked what I've been doing. So get you right away. I didn't play in the NBA. I played in NCAA. Okay. So I wish I would have gotten to the NBA. I'll tell you why I didn't. But the funny part is that when that all happened, at that moment, I in Germany and my age group was... I was the MVP of the All-Star game. I think I was one of the, maybe the best player of, the, of that year. And then you get to the US. So you're coming from a country with 84 million people population, right? So it's not a small country. And you come and you play it against international competition. And you're like, you think, I'm sorry if I you know, can use the language here, you think you're the shit. So I get to the university at Buffalo, so it's State University of New York, for, playing for the Buffalo Bulls. Great university, you know, 30,000 students, huge basketball arena. Uh, Buffalo is a crazy bus basketball city, but they don't have a basketball team. So they have an NFL football team, American football, Buffalo Bills, they have the Buffalo Sabres. So basketball, we're all there is in that town. So it's a huge opportunity for us all. But now imagine me coming in as one of the best players in a huge European country, and then I'm getting to a team which is, it's not Duke, it's not the most famous university, and I'm not even one of the best 10 players on the team. So psychologically, you realize how far back you were all this time, thinking how great you are. And that's like a little bit, you know, you get a little bit of reality. Do you think in some respects, it's that analogy, it reminds me straight away, it's like 
big fish small pond and like as soon as you go to the big ocean you're like holy shit like oh there's whole new level to this you don't even realize for me that's what dubai is like coming from europe you're yeah. like you look around you're like this is the world of what's possible compared to like little europe where you almost think you're the shit in your little area where you come here and it's like oh absolutely listen i i listen imagine i mean i mean two meters four i mean six foot nine crying after practice to the coach like psychologically, you're like an like a professional athlete. Psychologically, like seventy percent of your success is your mindset, and you're just destroyed because you can't get over it. I can't be that bad. And when you realize how small you are now in this big, big pond, that's when it really kicks in. And then it's like it's like a you know do or die approach. And I will never forget between my first and second year, and I was there for four years. I was the most rigorous workout regimen that I've ever did in my life. I had probably three a day's workouts. I had the nutritionist. I had, I lost, I think, I don't know, are we talking pounds or kilograms? Uh, either, either. Everyone so I lost probably 25 kilograms Jesus. in four months. I was 10.9% body fat with a 200, with a 127 kilograms body weight. So like I was a machine because yeah. I was like, I will never allow myself to be that bad again. And funny enough is, although I did all that, I was still not that good. <laughs> so I tried myself and I realized quite quickly, by year two, I realized that professional basketball, um, which I thought would be my, you know, my career dream, is not in the books for me. I had four twin ACLs in total. So I'm, I'm quite familiar in terms of you know, mechanics, recovery, and, and the risk of injury. So I knew probably by year two that the NBA is not in my books. With that, how did that affect your mindset and how did you overcome that? Because I think when people often get knocked down pretty heavily, that's one of the defining moments of their life that either sets them one way to almost maybe turn back and head home to Germany and do your average nine to five job or go off on like a cavaliering spree to go set up on and do all the other things you've done. Listen, there's 100% you have those thoughts and any, any, any professional athlete at that stage around whatever, 18 to 22, who doesn't tell you at some point you just want to give up and go home and cry to their parents is lying. We all have those days where you're just like, listen, I'm just going to go back to Germany and be a star in Germany again. Um, I got lucky for a couple of things. One of the reasons is because I so quick, because of my injuries, psychologically, I knew quite early that this is not my career path. So I started quite quickly already, you know, investing more time in education. I started a double major. I started looking around what else I can do. I did internships. So I started investing in the life after sports. And the second thing that helped me is that once I, I graduated after four years, I had a lot of offer to play professional in Europe. And my grandmother said this funny phrase, she's like, do you really want to be a 30-year-old intern once you're done with basketball? Or do you want to be like a regular graduate and, you know, build up your career until you're 30? And that kind of resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be that guy who now bounces around for six, seven years. And then at 30, starts his career. And it's like, he's like, you're way too big to be an intern. Like, imagine me, like, bringing you papers and coffee at 30 years old. So it was quite a funny conversation. And it was not that hard to switch. I knew right away I need to invest into something else. I need to something that is more, more durable, like my mind and my capabilities. And what did that look like from a practical aspect? So for someone else who's listening to this, maybe they've had one door closed in their life and they're looking to open another door. What was the first step you took in their respect in finding what to learn and what field or like avenue to go down? 100%. Listen, the one thing, and I, I, I do this quite a lot with universities when, where I speak about career development. I want to let everybody know that when you think like career-wise, there's a failure life's over, it's not. When I graduated, and I graduated with like with the highest degrees. I was like all academic, blah, blah, blah. I sent out my resume to 60 companies. 59 declined. 
And one said, you can have a non-paid job and you get commission. That was, I was 23, 24. By the age of 26, I was the CEO of Groupon for Eastern Europe with 1,500 employees under me and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So that failure that you get right out of college, like don't let this, don't think your life has any limitations. Don't believe that somebody, somebody says no, like there's a great books, like when, like the, the seven no's or whatever. The more people say no to you, the closer you are to a yes. So it's one of the same situation, like don't, like when you fall down, get back up. Because life is a funny thing. Your mindset changes everything. Your approach, your openness, your networking. That's how you get to the point. So if somebody says no in a certain location or conversation or job, change some of those aspects. I literally, after I received a no, got an internship for BMW in Germany, which sounded like incredible opportunity, right? Like BMW, oh my God, in the headquarter. I went to the internship after I got 60 no's. And after the second day, I quit my internship because I realized that the internship that they were offering me will not help me on my path going forward. And I went into management consultancy, which ended up being an incredible opportunity for me because they sent me on a second day on a project that I did for a year and a half that gave me then the skill sets that I need for Groupon to succeed. So all those things, as long as you keep an open mind, and I keep telling people, don't focus on income at that early stage of your career. Go for the opportunity where you have the chance to learn the most. Why I believe, for example, and I'm not blowing my own horn here, but startups, if you're 26, join a startup for a year or two. Yes, you might take a you know, 30, 50% salary cut, but there's a chance of growth, a chance of opportunities, chance of learning something new, and chance of, I'm gonna open Saudi tomorrow. You go to Saudi. You do this good, ten, whatever, 12 months later, you're country manager. You do this good, you're regional manager. Where else do you get opportunities like this? So just be open to it, don't limit yourself, and. If they say no, be happy about it and try to learn why they said no. There's a couple of things I'd extract from that. One of the things I think a lot of people don't understand about getting a job or working for a startup is you're actually getting paid to learn. So it's like a test run for you for whenever you want to run your own business or anything like that. And the other thing I, I took from that is that you've basically become successful by quitting. So respectfully, you quit basketball, you quit the internship at BMW, and now it's led you on the path that you are now. Whereas you could have thought like, a lot of people say you should never quit anything, but there's in some respects, that's stupidity. You have to think about like, there's a smart reason to quit sometimes when you look at the bigger picture. I think too many people look in two smaller time frames. where would you say you look on a longer time horizon generally? Listen, first of all, if something's toxic and it can be work or personal life, you need to quit it. But at the same time, you need to find the right balance between saying like jumping out and quitting something when, you know, when it's like starting to get rough, but at the same time when you know that it has, if you know that the end game is not something you're happy with, why continue? I had very, I had a very funny HR experience. Um, after I left Groupon, I was in one of the largest media holding companies, and I got an incredible top position. And I was so proud, and I said, "Oh my God, I made it! Like, this is incredible! I got the compensation I want. They got the title I wanted." And literally on day three, the HR director of this holding says, "By the way, you will never have a higher title or salary than now." And I still remember this it was eight years ago. And I remember how I felt at that moment. The funny part is I knew what she said was true. I knew that. I knew that when I joined, like, this is it. But the fact that I, at this moment, she told me there's a ceiling. From that day on, I was starting to think what I'm going to do after this. So the, what I tell to people is, throw into yourself. I don't, call, I don't think quitting is the right word here. But I think ending 
and then starting. Because quitting sounds like you could have done it, but you didn't. But I think ending something is like you end the chapter and you start a new chapter. And you're fully right. If I were to continue basketball, I'd be a basketball coach right now, you know, second division in Spain, you know, being in the gym, you know, twice a day. And maybe that's fine, but I wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to you here today, share my life story, build up a global business in a sector that I, you know, passionately believe in. So it would, it would be a bit different. So, and the second thing is be flexible. There's a lot of people, they, they publicly committed to something, especially now, like right now, this whole, you know, do something that you put it on LinkedIn, you put it on Instagram, you know, you, you put it on a podcast. And then you're like, but I don't think it's something real. Like, but I'd already told so many people. Listen, at the end of the day, people only care about themselves. Nobody cared what you said three days ago. The news cycle is so quick these days. Don't be ashamed or afraid to admit that you did something wrong. The quicker you move on, the quicker you'll be able to build something new. Is that a character trait you think you've always had? No, 100% not. 100% not. Uh, again, I think it takes a long, long time for you to find yourself. My dad, who's been an entrepreneur for probably over 35 years, told me when I was 24, you need to have your own business. You need to have your own business. And I tried. I tried between, between my, um, my consultancy job and Groupon. I tried with his backing to do an entrepreneurship. And literally six months in, I said, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm, I'm not there. I can't be my own boss. I am focusing on the wrong things. I don't know what's important. I need structure right now. And then I went to Groupon. And as you said, the funny part is you as a young employee think how much money can I get from the company? But actually is how much can I learn being at the company while they're paying for me to be there? That's like, imagine going to the gym and the gym pays you for being in the gym. And there's a PT who's like teaching you how to do stuff and you get paid for it. So you need to switch around a little bit depending on where you are in your career, what the career, the job, the work should give to you. When I, when I interview people, I'm like, what can we do as a company for you? And I'm listening to them. And if, it's, if they're asking me for how many days I get off for vacation, it's a no. And if they ask me what's the opportunities to grow, what the areas can I work with, then it's maybe a more, more likely yes. And you're laughing right now. Probably 40% of people during the interview process are asking me, what's your vacation day policy? Can I do home office? Um, what's the whatever, health benefits and all that stuff? I'm like, that is okay to ask the HR manager during the process of the contract. When you have face-to-face -face time with your future boss, that's not the place for this. I'm laughing because I feel that society, even at my own young age, I'm 32, I'm not sure how old are you? 37. 37, a little bit older than me, that everyone has become, in particular, respectfully, I'm from Britain, so I can say it, Europeans become more and more entitled. And that's the first thing they ask is like, what do I get? What do I get rather than what can I give or what can I learn? And I'm not quite sure why, but I think society's very much gone down that sort of street. Instant gratification. I, like, and I had these conversations. And I had this conversation in personal life and in, in professional life where anybody feels like probably 30 and younger, there is this approach, I'm like, what can I get now? What can I get now? You asked me if I've seen the long, I didn't see the longer picture beforehand. I did not see it. It's, at that age, you don't think like that. But at least at that age, I was like, okay, I need to probably be this company for three years. Can I be here for three years? What, what do I want to get out of those three years? Okay, I want them to cover my living expenses so I can focus on work. Great. What else can I get out of it? But this changed right now. Right now, everybody's like so much like, you know, everybody is like putting stuff online 
and it feels like I, I want to put online that I got this great job and I got this great salary and I want everybody to, you know, to, to, je to be jealous of me and envy me how great I'm doing. But that's not how it works. You mentioned your father uh, was an entrepreneur and also yeah. a professional athlete. Yeah. Obviously, you've very much followed in his footsteps. Would you say he's been the biggest impact in your life and has he almost mentored you through everything? 100%. Um, I think he's been a role model. The crazy thing about him is uh, he was 18 when I was born. So he had to quit, quit tennis probably a little bit early because of this. Um, and then obviously he pushed him because I see him. I see me, you know, the benefits of working for a company. You don't have to think about salaries. You don't have to think about vacation days. You don't have to think about structure. Like you can, on the weekends, you can take a breather, like all that stuff. And I see him who is like, every time we speak, 20 minutes into any conversation we can have, he will talk about his business. It's the funniest thing. Like he doesn't even realize it. Like we can speak about anything and then like, like oh, oh, 15 minutes over. Okay, so listen to me. This is what I sold last week. This is how we're doing month to month. This is how many employees I have now. So that kind of built into me like, okay, this is what's going on. And then obviously the freedom that he got and that kept pushing me. And yes, he guided me through, through a lot of, lot of ways. Um, it was a very funny conversation that we had. And I think this is also is a, is a symbol for a relationship with it when your dad is a little bit younger. Um, when I went from college and I started doing work, and we have a family business that he's doing quite well, and he's like, listen, you didn't go through all this, you know, German school, boarding school, US. If after five years after university, you didn't create a career that we think or you think is significant, um, why don't you think about joining the family business? So I took this as a challenge. I'm like, dude, I have five years time to make sure whatever I do is bigger than what you're doing. So um, three years after this conversation, I became you know, head of, of Groupon for Eastern Europe. And I called him up and I'm like, okay. And he's like, you're right, you're right. Okay, family business not in your books. Uh, but the fact that he challenged me, like you have a five-year horizon. Otherwise, I think it will make more, more sense for your family, family business. I think this is the little challenges you need between, you know, maybe siblings. In this case, it's the father um, that you had that kept pushing you, kept you know, engaged and make sure you push and, and dream bigger. Do you feel one of the things that's driven you is to try and um, beat your father in terms of um, the business you've built, the success you've had? Has that been one of the driving factors for you? I think the word beat... In so a nice, nice in way. An, uh, so, you know, we, we used to play basketball against each other. And we used to play every single day for eight years. Like since from age from probably eight to like 16. At, when I was 15 or 16, I beat him once. We have never played since. We imagine playing with somebody every single day for seven, eight years. And that's the moment we let it go. So similar thing here, a funny thing. When I became CEO of Groupon, and I'm like boasting about it, it was a huge story because I was the youngest CEO in 48 countries, and I call him up and he's like, and I'm like, he's like, so, so how much are you making? So I tell him like super proudly my salary. He's like, yeah, I make that in a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you're like, uh, okay. I still have room to grow. Was that a bit like the feeling you got when you went to the US to play basketball? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but that's also showcase your corporate and entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. So corporate is, you're like, oh my God, I got this huge title and a huge responsibility. And you speak to an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and he's like, yeah, I'll make that in a week. And you're like, ah, okay. On your entrepreneurial journey, what's been the biggest challenge you faced? Oh, hey, listen. <laughs> I don't wish anybody, I mean, we, we launched Bionic 2019. So Bionic is personalized supplements based on blood testing. Um, and we have this, the huge, this is, 
the huge medical and research aspect of it in integration wise, we, we always made sure that we are available to all, but recommended by few, by few, the leading, like literally the leading institutions. So we we're very, very selective who our official partners are because we were so concerned with that regard. So when we launched in, in 2019 in the UK, we're launching there and then Brexit. Then we get out of Brexit, like we figure out everything out and then pandemic. <laughs> then you get out of pandemic, you figure that out. Then we have, you know, economic crisis, inflation is what's going on right now. So, you know, how hard, I mean, startups, the, 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 the stats on startups, 95% of startups fail. If you multiply that with, you know, geopolitical and pandemics and all everything else going on, I mean, you don't even have to invent challenges. Challenges just come at you. So when you have challenges, the, the idea is always in the beginning is how do you build a trust with a consumer? Like I create a brand. You don't know the brand. You know me. How do you create a trust that what you do, you at some point when you don't know me will actually believe into the brand? I think that's the biggest challenge you have. When you create a product that is for your health, there's an actual intake there that you believe, although you've never met, never heard my story, have no idea who's behind the product, you just see Bionic and you know this is the premium, this is the leader, this is science-based, this is backed by the leading institutions, this is a product I believe in. And that takes time, it takes a lot of money, and there's a lot, a lot of challenges to it. I can imagine. What, what gave you the initial idea to go into that field? Because I've been like thoroughly impressed with everything from Bionic so far. So I had a blood test, I think, a week, 10 days ago, and I had my initial consultation yesterday in yep. terms of the results. I think supplements coming in the next few days, which I'm very excited to see how that goes. My blood results could have been better because I competed like five or six days beforehand, so they're all over the show. But it'll be very interesting. We'll do a video showing how they've improved using the supplements. What first gave you the idea in terms of Bionic and how did this baby of yours get created? Interesting. So this is the most typical story there's when you talk about startups, you know, the scratchy own niche startup. So there's an issue that you want solved and you realize there was no solution. So back in the day, probably 2017, when I was in my corporate job, I was like, you know, this big boss, had a lot of resources to me at the time. I'm still an athlete in my heart. I'm still a professional athlete. I'm like, I still want to perform. I still want to look good. I still want to feel good, but I didn't do any of them. I I felt I had brain fog. My energy level was low. I had no no interest in going to the gyms after work, which used to be like a regular pattern. I realized that I'm like I'm like I could be in a physically a better shape. I'm not as strong as I used to be. Like everything is like going the wrong direction. Although at that moment. I would have a personal trainer, I would have a nutritionist, I would have, you know, I would go to the gym probably five times a week. I'd do all those things that should make me feel better. I would use like 30, 40 bottles of different supplements, but none of them worked. So when I was speaking to people, they're like, well, why don't you just go to an endocrinologist to look at your hormone levels and look at what, you know, how your body responds to certain things. So go see a doctor, basically. So I get a doctor recommended, I go to the doctor, I sit across the doctor, I tell him all of my symptoms, my brain fog, my fatigue, my feelings, my bloatedness, whatever it is, like everything that comes together. And the doctor's like sitting across me, like nodding, like big eyes, like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what's wrong with you. Like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, really? He's like, yeah. So what should I do? He's like, you do this very extensive, you know, $1,000 blood test and you come back in a week later and I'll tell you exactly what we need to do. I'm like, love it. So I pay a thousand bucks, he does the blood test. I come back a week later, like I'm literally, I'm going there like expecting the Holy Grail. I'm expecting them to tell me the truth about myself. So I go in there, the doctor's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, who are, oh, yeah, yeah, Vadim, yeah. So prints out my blood result, like this one pager thing. 
that I paid a thousand dollars for. Looks at his blood results like for like twenty seconds. Looks at me. He's like, "Yeah, you're fine." I'm like, "What do you mean you're fine?" He's like, "Yeah, your blood results are all in the norm." I'm like, "What does that mean?" He's like, "You're not ill." I'm like, "Yeah, no, no I understand. I'm not ill. I'm like 31, 32 at that moment." I'm like, "But the symptoms?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you'd be ill, I'd be able to treat you. But I don't see any patterns where you're like outside the norm." So there's nothing I can really do for you here. And I was so, this was so astonished by this message. He didn't even cover up that he could do something for me. Like a week ago, he was like, oh my God, I know exactly what we need to do. He, so he gave me this, you know, this printout and says, thank you. And I leave. And of course, my first thought was like, maybe it's a bad doctor. So I went to other doctors. But then I realized that traditional medicine, it's not there to optimize you. It's there to heal you in case you're already ill. So the proactiveness, you know, everything about prevention, it's not part of the DNA of the traditional medicine. So I thought to myself, okay, wrong doctor, traditional medicine, probably should have went somewhere else. So when I optimize myself, I should probably go to professional teams. So I start calling up my old professional teams. And I have a lot of contact in, you know, in football and in basketball, including in the US. And I'm like, hey guys, what do you do when you get players? How do you track them over time? And literally back then, the answer was we don't track them. When we purchase the player, we do a full body test that he's fine. And then that's it. I'm like, but isn't, shouldn't there be like a tracking mechanism where you see how he's developed, how he's changing? They're like, well, we didn't integrate it. We don't have that. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Then I'm like, like anybody, any startupper in the world thinks that Silicon Valley has the answer because they're the smartest guys in the world, right? They have the most money, the most venture. They probably have a solution. So I go to the Silicon Valley and I look into the health sector. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is you doing currently? And there's like, there were the DNA approach. You did a DNA test. Then there were approaches where you do vitamins, where you get like a pill pack based on a questionnaire. And then you have those home kit, you know, the thing that's quite popular in the UK where you finger prick, where you can prick your finger yourself. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at those three companies. Maybe there's something in angle here. So I look at DNA and what DNA is, it's chronic. It doesn't change. So you can't see your progress on the DNA level. So I'm like, okay, that's a one-off. Then I look at the supplements on this, you know, pill packs with, with the pills in there. I'm like, oh, that's, that looks great. So I look into that. And once I look at their statistics, 80% of the users drop off after one month because when you get a pill pack, there's like an omega in there, there's one zinc in there, there's a vitamin D in there, and it costs you like 40 bucks. You can go to GNC or any store and just buy your bulk of them. Instead of paying 40 bucks, you can buy it for 30 for the next five months. So there's no proprietary information. There's no science behind that to just give you a minimal dosage just to get you over the line and give you a placebo effect. And the third part was the finger prick one, which was quite interesting because people actually on a regular basis do the finger prick test. The problem is you got the test, you don't know what to do with it. And that's when Bionic came to my head. I'm like, okay, people want to know more about themselves. They want to get customized and personalized solutions, but they want to do it on a regular basis. What if we combine those three things together where I can give you a journey and a product that evolves together with you and your health? And that's when I started the journey in terms of looking who's in the market, who exists out there um, that can help me build this. Because I, I don't have a medical background. Again, I have interest and probably corporate experience, business development experience, but I don't have a medical background. And this is where the story of Bionic started, where I met our, our medical director who... By chance, in 2011 in Switzerland, started doing clinical trials and researches for professional athletes, how to improve cognitive and physical function through micronutrients. And I meet this guy. The guy walks in, he's like two meters tall, 6% body fat, 42 years old, four kids, looks like Robocop, 
Like, like I'm like, I have no idea what you're selling, but I'm buying. Like you look exactly like anybody wants to look at, at that age, you know, at with us. And he's like, like shakes his hand, sits down. He's like, I did 952 athletes over seven years. I did so many clinical trials. I can showcase that if you optimize your micronutrient level, you can improve physical capabilities of professional athlete by 7.8%. I'm like 7.8%. He's like, yeah, I'm like professional athlete. That's insane. Like you're an athlete. You probably know that 1% is like insane. 7.8. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what can you do for regular people? He's like 30, 35%. I'm like, I want to see this. So I tried this product and I tried it out. And back then it was like 150 blood parameter blood test. And it was like a two months thing. So it was like, it was very clumsy. It was not, it was not, was not, you know, ready for scale, but it was a great idea. So he's like, he only used Swiss granules because the absorption levels are seven, eight times higher. And you can just take one spoon for everything you need per day. And I flew to Switzerland and I checked that out and I look at the data sets and I'm like, this is it. We're doing this. And then we launched Bionic, so that's kind of the prehistory. So I got from there just because I felt brain foggish. I felt I could do better. And the funny part is because of Bionic, because of blood tests, I actually found out what was wrong with me. So the issue why I felt all that was my bilirubin, which is your liver function, was too high. And after we did the blood test, we found out that I have a defect called Gilbert defect, which around 20% of all men have, where your liver cannot proceed a big, big amount of food right away. So you have to break down your food intake in smaller parts so your body can actually digest it and recover quicker. The moment I found that about myself, everything else came into place. My energy levels went back up, my, my weight went down, my you know, everything. And this is the funny thing is those little things, when you adjust them, that's when you actually optimize. That's how my journey started. That's amazing. One of the things you said as well, which I find incredibly frustrating is, and I know it's their job and it's the way the system is designed. It's like the medical industry is just designed to keep you alive. Yeah. Like your results are okay, they're average, they're fine. It's like, I don't want to be fine. I want maximal. Like, and I know you're a high performing entrepreneur. I am like loads of people listening to this are as well. Like you don't want to feel okay. You want to feel great. You want to feel fucking phenomenal. Yes. And that's the goal that everyone should have in life. And it's the same thing I think all the time. And you know, like when you've had an awesome workout, you feel amazing, but like 95% of the population don't know how good it is to feel good. And that's where I think a product like yours is so amazing in terms of like, the statistics you said in terms of from an athlete point of view is insane, but for yeah. general population, it's truly life-changing. And that's where I think so many people just stick their head in the sand and think it's okay to feel just okay, if that makes sense. Listen, I think where the value is, not even just optimization, 31% of all of our clients during blood test. So imagine you wake up and you hear about Bionic and like the ultimate personal supplements. Hey, I should throw away my 30 bottles of something. I want to get what I want, right? That's your idea. You want to optimize yourself. 31% of our clients at some point in their journey, based on the blood test, find out that they have health issues that require medical attention. 31% find out that there's chronic diseases, that autoimmune diseases, that some people find out that the fish they're eating has mercury levels too high. I found out at some point I switched to shellfish and my uric acid shot through the roof. So dietary intake. It's not just about, it's what you said, head, head in the sand. It's Get the hat out of the sand. I keep saying this, and the funny thing is it got copied by so many companies now. When I go on stand and I talk to people and I realize that there is, you know, the, the, the attention span is on everybody sitting in their phone, I do the same thing every single time. I'm like, who has a car here? I'm like, half the room raised their hand. I'm like, what kind of car? It's like, like a Ford. What kind of model? Like a Mustang. What's the engine size? It's like 3.3 liters. I'm like, gas? Like, there's like, yeah, diesel. I'm like, what's your blood type? Silence. I'm like, 
dude, how much, how come do you know so much about your car that you're probably going to change the next three years and you have nothing, no knowledge about the one thing's going to be with you for your entire life. That's the conversation that you built. So let's just find out more about ourselves. Let's find out how we react to certain things. And then based on that, let's have, you know, optimize action on it and build on it. And I think this is a little bit, if we, if Bionic can just help push that narrative, then I already succeeded. Because the more people think about it, this is when, 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 when competition arrives. Like, I think I had 17 former clients of mine tried to copy my business model. I was happy. People were like, oh, my outrage. My, 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 my team was outraged. I'm like, guys, he's doing us a favor. He's educating the market that off the shelf does not work for your body. You know, so that's kind of like the approach here. But you're fully right. People need to find out more about themselves to actually know what to do for them to improve. What's the biggest like success story you've had with Bionic? You had like like anyone you've come to you've like reversed anything or any like crazy like health transformations? Yes, I mean, um, we never share this publicly because this is probably and again I say this in the setting we will never use this in ads we will never use this in content. But I think by now we're counting eleven women of the age of thirty five plus that never had children, and once their 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 micronutrient balance got in touch in place, they gave birth in a span of probably less than a year and a half like literally we got we got letters with tears with pictures of uh of of, of you know of the, the husband and the mother together we in dubai we had a woman that literally found out in terms of autoimmune diseases a funny thing she found out about that this was probably close to getting chronic in a way where where the doctors would have been like two three months later it'd been too late um one quite famous person who's also uh, I will have. I will ask next time for permission. She would use, have health issues for several, several years, and she would go do a blood test, and doctors like can't find anything. But because she's bionic for nine months or for three blood tests straight, they could see a trend, and based on the trend, they found the illness that she has. So because the doctor, with a snapshot, he doesn't know what to do with it. But when he sees a trend, he finds out about those things. And then we obviously had, as I said, there was there was poisoning from mercury fish that the woman didn't know about which is just continued probably ordering from the same place and it was just getting worse and worse and worse and she didn't know what to do. Um, but also like bigger things. I mean, 91% of all illnesses that lead to death, you can see an advanced time in your blood. 91% of them. With Bionic, do you have plans to add more to the range of products you have? Like something I just thought of cool we seeing here is like a, like a nootropic sort of thing for like ultimate brain focus. If you could like tweak it to the individual or something like that off the top of my head. Um, so... I think as an entrepreneur, this is the biggest, I think the most important thing that you need to get through. Because an entrepreneur is a, wants to be a visionary, you always want to do everything. Yeah. I really want to. I mean, I had, we had Bionic Wellness, which was PTs coming to your home. We tried, we wanted to be the biohacking platform where you could do, you know, you know, the ultrasound testing and MRI uploads. Like we tried all that. I mean, this is Bionic's four years old, right? At some point, you just have to admit who you are and what you do best and focus on this because we're not at a point yet where we're like, you know, Procter and Gamble who can just keep launching things. So we're at a point where Bionic is the ultimate personalized supplements. Why? Because it's precision. It's based on your blood test. The quality, it's Swiss made with, you know, research and patent. And there's research behind it that nobody else in the market has because we've been, you know, been researching this approach for now 11 years. This is the thing. Everything you tell me is, I tell to everyone, we love it. We're partners. We're going to partner with you. So we're official partner with, like, with Whoop, right? 
I don't want to go into the gadget business, but I want you to know more about yourself. So I want you to find out more what's going on to your body, not just from bionics perspective, but also in terms of your workout, your sleeping patterns, all those things. So what you're saying is, of course, we're thinking about it. And every time I mention it to my product team, they're like, focus. So my team is quite, my, my, my CFO, I just met him like literally, he's like, hey, let's get, get your focus back. I have to say, it's probably the most difficult thing in business. It's like red shiny object syndrome. And I think saying always repeat to myself, it's like simple scales, fancy fails. It's like you have to like just focus on one thing. Whereas if you try and do a million different things, you get distracted and you can't really succeed with anything. And uh, there's a saying I think I read and it's like, um, uh, an idiot will beat a genius when a genius is focusing on five things, an idiot is focusing on one. 100%. That's one of the things that um, one of former colleagues told me that, you know, while other people do several things and you just do one, even if you're much better, you will not succeed. And, you know, this is the one thing. So bionic, I always keep because the opportunities are, are, are I mean, it's endless. Because I said, 91% of your overall health is based on blood testing. So this is the focus. You as a client, you know what you get. We as a company know what you're asking for. And we literally had three weeks ago, probably one of the most famous people in the world became a client. And that really, like, it took me a step back. I, I got, like, as a founder, like, you get to this point where, like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, this is not a promo. He, we didn't pay him. He himself reached out. And you're like, why did he reach out? Like, what's his why? Why a person who has access to everything in this world decided to use your product? And the reason for that is because he said, I want to have the ultimate personalized vitamins. He didn't say that because he wants something that he can add something to it or he wants no, no this is the only reason and if that's the reason let's make this even better then let's set us even more apart and let's you know make it more accessible to more people in more areas well those are the exact words he used no 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 this is uh, this oh, okay. is uh, this is just translation but yeah. after asking how he, how he got to us and how he's like i was recommended by somebody he said this is the best vitamins out there but that shows example like the most important thing in business with everything is the product's good. If the product's amazing, it'll grow without you having to do anything. The, the funny part is, and this is something where you start drinking your own Kool-Aid, and, and this is funny because you, how your perception changes. So if you do bionic, you do a blood test first, right? Then you take the vitamins and yeah. you do blood test again. So then you can actually see, does the product work or not? So we are incentivized as a company. We have the same motivation as you as a user. Whatever we do, you have to improve because if you don't improve, you will just cancel us. You're not just cancel, you're probably going to go online and say it doesn't work and you're just going to trash us. So, you know, you're going to really negatively impact our business. So this is where we're in a position where the company, and I actually like it, that we're in the same boat. We need to succeed here. But the funny part is with what I'm saying is when I now see other products, and there's great products out there. And I talk to those people and he explains me the benefits of the company, of the product. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. How do I know it works? He's like, um, you feel it. I'm like, yeah, but do, how do I see that it works? Like internally, like, you know, I feel in placebo, I can, feel, I can eat a sugar thing and feel it. He's like, yeah, we're not there yet. And I just realized that because we're now for now, four years now into tracking the impact of things, you know, I want to track everything else too. And I think we as a society and we as consumers, we're getting to this point. We want things personalized. You want to be able to track if they actually work. Basically a results-driven supplement brand where yes. you can get you can actually see that what you're taking is doing something, it's just not doing it for the sake of it. Or it's not doing something. And this is also an important thing. This is one thing that I learned. For, this is not a wonder pill. And I think you know it's best, listen, supplements, I mean, in your health pyramid. Nutrition, activity, sleep is much more important than supplementation. And I'll be the first to tell you that. 
If you have a bad diet and you take Bionic, it will not help. But if you have a decent diet and you add Bionic, it will complete your meals, it will complete your micronutrient intake, it will get your vitamin levels, and your body can focus on other areas to restore, to recover, and not deal with those deficiencies. And that's very important for me to tell people. 30% of people do not feel anything but actually see a result. And those people sometimes still quit because they're like, I, I actually wanted to feel something. And we as a company are like, oh my God, this is how do we let people understand that feeling is great, but the improvement in terms of your body is even more important. I think that's the issue as well. Is a lot of people don't have that self-awareness about their body, body anyway. And also it's trying to like quantify the untangible sometimes. Yeah. So it's like, how do you really measure that? Which is why I think the importance of you guys doing a blood test is like there in black and white, you can see progress or no progress. So you know exactly where you stand. That was always the idea. That was always the idea, but it takes time. It literally takes time. It takes time to get through people. I think the blood test itself is always a barrier. Not everybody likes to do a blood test. It's fasted. It's not cheap. So this is an investment to your health. But the great thing is that I think we see a switch in consciousness. I think the pandemic helped that people realize the importance of health. We see a lot of clients age 25 to 35 person for their parents. So we see in different, depending on the market, the initiative of looking after health starts much, much earlier with not actually people who are paying for it, but the people who care about the people who will take it. And this is, this is a great, great, interesting change. We see it in front of our eyes. The clientele from 2019, 2022 has dramatically changed. And the funnels have changed and their approach has changed. The expectations have changed. You know, in the beginning, it was like biohackers and triathletes. Now you have, you know, you know, people who are concerned about the longevity and quality of life. You know, you can have anything from, you know, professionals in terms of business professionals to housewives who want to keep up to, you know, retired parents that are being recommended by the kids to look after them to 25 to 30 year olds who just, who just want something customized with a name on it because they think it's cool. And it also has a place. There, there is a place for that where you just, one size does not fit all. I also think, this is from my perspective, psychologically, we all like to think that we've got every box ticked to maximize. If you look at from an athletic or performance perspective, so it's you to know that you've got something that's maximized for you. Like, even respect of the blood work or not, that psychological effect to know that you're ticking all the boxes, I think, will help you win with everything else you're doing and give you more men momentum. And actually, one of the interesting things I find is when people... I have no doubt that products like this will help you get in better shape and help you be healthier and have more energy and be stronger, how that will also correlate into every other area of your life. Because if your health is great, then everything else should start to come great around it. Whereas if your health's falling apart, nothing else can be great at the same time. But you said in the beginning, you said 95% of people don't even know how great you feel after a great mm -hmm. workout. You do the workout in the morning, you feel like a winner for the rest of the day. I don't care what happens to me the rest of the day. If I had a good workout in the morning, I'm a champion. I walk into the meetings, I, it, it can't go bad because I already did something. My, my dopamine already went up. My hormone level is up. I feel accomplished. And this is the same thing when you add something to it, like you're taking care of your macros, take care of your micros. Like complete yourself in a way where, you know, you give the body that she needs and it will take as you completely, you feel different about yourself. We all know this. Listen, when you had a great workout, when you're in great shape, you perform better in all other areas too. You're more confident. People feel that they, 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 your energy attracts them. So I think it's an important thing. And if it gives you the extra, you know, the extra percentage, it's definitely worth it. Have you always had this very like driven mindset? Or is this something that you learned from your father? Or is it something you've developed over time? And if so, how? I think it's pro professional sports. I think I always had this professional sports. I think um, 
This is a situation where you constantly are getting challenged. You constantly want to prove yourself. Um, the funny thing, I will never, I was never forget. I mean, when I was my fourth year in the U.S., I had arthritis in both, in both uh, wrists. I had two, so four torn ACLs, so both knees, three time broken nose, one broken ankle, and we had to do a mandatory yoga class. And this woman was like, "Get all on your fours and take a deep breath." So I'm getting on my surgery repaired knee, surgery repaired knee, arthritis wrists, and breathing through my broken nose. And then a year later, I remember I have to go to work. And going to work felt like, oh my God. So I come at 9.30 and I sit in a chair for five hours. Like after going through this grueling sessions of 10 years of, you know, physical, like you probably notice some mornings you can't get out of bed out of pain. Then work just seems like so like liberating, so easy. Like I, I, I still remember like in nine years of corporate life, I never missed a day for, at work for sickness. Because I never got to the point where I felt I'm feeling worse now than I ever felt in my, my professional sports career. So I think the mindset is definitely discipline, workout, challenging. You get challenged constantly, psychological pressure. And then obviously the, the threshold for pain is just completely different to any you know people who haven't done professional sports. Do you find as your business has scaled that your tolerance for stress has become higher where you're used to having to spin like thousands of different plates at the same time? And it's I just think it's, no, it's actually the opposite. So the funny part is, because I think the expectation is the longer you do something, the better you get at it. So in the beginning, you expect stress. In the beginning, you expect everything going wrong. In the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, everybody says the startup is you're jumping out of a plane with a parachute and you have to figure out the parachute or build the parachute on the way down, like get it done. So now I've I'm, I'm, I'm been jumping for so long, my parachute is almost open. I'm like, what could go, do, go wrong now? So now if something goes wrong, I'm like, what, really? So now comes the part where like you start literally listening to other podcasts and you, know, you, you start reading books where like, okay, a buddy of mine, he's like, so what's going on? He's like, I have five huge issues. He's like, take a deep breath and think about how many of those five issues you do not have any control over. And I'm like, three. He's like, forget about those three. Let's focus on the other two. I, like, I focus on the other two because the other three, I can't do anything about it and my stress gets lower. But I realize now that because you expect things to work better now, when they don't, you're like, I can't believe I put so much effort in this and it's still not working. So I think there's techniques to calm you down, but I wouldn't say that your, your stress I don't know, threshold has, has, has changed in a positive way. I think it's, it's still there. And they always say, you know, startup founders have to be paranoid. You always have to be paranoid of like, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong tomorrow? Like you live in this world where like, what happens if this and this and this happens? Well, everybody else just thinks about, hey, hopefully, you know, we grow, hopefully we expand, hopefully we do this. And you're just like, but what if this happens? How have you managed to get yourself out of that mindset? Do you into things like meditation, reading? Is there anything else you use to try and like take control back of your conscious and subconscious mind? Workouts. Listen, I, I, I know that I know I should probably say meditation right now because people want to hear it. I tried meditation. I have probably 13 apps. I tried courses. I went to. I'm not there yet. Maybe I'll get there at some point. I'm not the meditation person. I think I, there's two things that are completely work for me is routine. I have the same routine. I eat the same things. I do the same workouts. Even if I don't work out, I still go to the gym and just do the treadmill because the drive to the gym and back from the gym is like therapeutic for me. Like that's just, you know, just calms me in a certain way, just puts me in a position to succeed. And the second thing is just the physical, physical pressure of a workout just also like takes out and takes me away during the workout. I sometimes think about work, 
but it's probably 5% of the time. 95% of the time I'm free. So regimen and, and, and physical activity, that's what kind of keeps me, keeps me balanced. That was beautifully put. And I think it's funny that I think about it in a way of working out the way I alleviate stress. And it almost feels like a weight's taken off of me afterwards. Like you just, the aggression and whatever that's in your mind or whatever is completely gone. That, that feeling in your stomach, that, that thing, and then it, it, that goes up, you know, you can't get out of it. For that hour, you're free. For that hour, you're free. And afterwards, because you feel so much better about yourself, you realize that it was not as bad as you thought in the beginning. And I think that's where it comes down to learning like the most important things, your perception of problems rather than what the problem really is. As you said, in terms of like, you had five problems, three of them you can't control or do anything about. Yeah, why is it a problem? <laughs> exactly. One last question for you, Dean. What would, the, what would be the main piece of advice you'd give yourself at 18 years old? So there's this saying, people overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in a lifetime. I think this is at 18, especially now in this, you know, in our current world upsetting is like, give yourself a little bit more time. Look at a horizon from a little bit different aspects. Allow yourself to be wrong and fail. And don't let this ever impact your belief in yourself that you can actually succeed. I think that's, that's, I think the, the thing is stop putting ridiculously time frames on yourself to achieve something that might take a little longer, but you actually will eventually get there if you just stay at it. 100%, beautifully put. Uh, where can people find out a bit more about you, Vadim and Bionic? Um, so it's bionic.com. Um, yeah, we're available now with, with in probably in 10 countries with the blood testing approach, but we also have a product called Bionic Go, which is based on a questionnaire. Has very lots of similar scientific proof behind it just a little bit more accessible to people. It's a global product. And myself, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Bionic, uh, Bionic uh, sorry, Badim uh, slash Bionic. So just reach out. I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm active in terms of, you know, giving, giving responses, giving, you know, better experiences. But most importantly, guys, if whatever you take away from this, just find out more about yourself. Invest a little bit in knowledge what goes on inside of you. Everything else, you know, has time this doesn't beautifully put for everyone who absolutely loves the podcast make sure you leave us five star review uh make sure you check out Vadim. and if you enjoy this make sure you share it to instagram stories and i'll repost it for you and we'll see you next episode very soon